Welcome to the Successful Farming Podcast. I'm Jody Henke. This episode is brought to you by Pivot Bio. Proven, productive, weatherproof. Turn to a better nitrogen with Pivot Bio Proven 40. Learn more at www.pivotbio.com. Bruce and Taylor Waugh are a father and son duo who own and operate Cannon Valley Ranch in Minnesota. They also operate the ranch with Bruce's wife and Taylor's mom, Leanne. They have a herd of 100 registered Black Angus females and have diversified their operation to include direct meat sales. Successful Farming's Megan Schilling spent some time with Bruce and Taylor to talk cattle, sustainability, and family. Bruce, could you give me an overview of your operation? Um, I've also looked a little bit online and done some some additional research. You have a great website and Facebook page, uh, but give me an overview of your ranch. Yeah, so, uh, you know, we historically have been a registered seed stock provider or breeder focusing mainly on, on registered black angus. We do have a few red angus that we play around with and until a couple of years ago, that was our primary source of income. And really, what kind of launched us um, into our latest venture is with Taylor buying that farm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so Taylor owns his own cows and we own cows. But, you know, as he mentioned, we manage the herds together. And, you know, we try to split up the income best we can. But it really got down to that we had to create some additional cash flow to help facilitate him buying that farm. and. And so um, we branched out into the meat business, too. So we sell, we call it CBR premium beef. And uh, um, you, you got to play with the cards you're dealt, I guess. And one of the cards we're dealt is we live in a, a fairly densely populated area of the country where we're, we're 45 minutes from downtown St. Paul and we're, we're a half hour from Rochester. Right. And, you know, so we, in the southeast corner of the state and, and uh you know, so we had a lot of a lot of people there, a lot of hungry hungry mouths to feed. So we decided to uh, branch out, and start a meat business, and that's kind of, I guess, our our newest venture to just kind of diversify the farm. Um, we are, I'm going to call ourselves a first generation farm. My wife and I, we both grew up on on farms, but we did not really get any family legacy. As far as, you know, land or, or anything like that. So sure. we started out, bought an 80 acre farm and primarily all our incomes comes off of, off of our beef cattle. So we're more ranchers than we are farmers. Well, that's a great story too, to be finding your own land. And so Taylor, that 100 acres, um, how did you find that? Is that nearby? Was that a piece of property you so were actually, looking at? It was actually connected. So it's all the 320 is, is all contiguous. And I mean, that was just through happen, well, kind of happenstance in being good neighbors over the years. We had very good friends and worked with our neighbors and they decided they, and we thought that they were going to be there until until they passed away, but they decided to take a little left turn in life and had a little bit of change of pace and they approached us directly the chance to buy the land next door doesn't come across so it was a little hard at first but we were able to make some different things work as far as cash flow to get the financing approved and work full through computer and the fsa and we're able to get it done but it was just good relationship that over the years that kind of culminated into 
them approaching us and asking us and never hit the market. So, Bruce, you mentioned you've parlayed into the meat business now, too. To both of you, is that something that can help you remain sustainable in the future? Do you see that growing or um, also increasing that side of your business in the future? we got a lot of things that, that happened right. You know, and being a small operation, relatively small, I guess, you know, in the beef, in the beef world, you know, um, we're probably in the top five or 10% as far as size of the producers because, you know, the average producer's got like 30 cows, you know, sure. and so, so we got like 120 cows, I think, or thereabouts between the two of us. And for a lot of people, that's relatively large, but in order to create, you know, a sustainable operation and a living, hopefully a full-time living office, we have to mm-hmm. obviously generate more cash. And that's where the meat business came in. And being small, I always make the joke, you know, I want every every animal that leaves our place to sell at a premium to market. Mm-hmm. Of course, we, when you're selling bulls, obviously over market price. And when you're selling breeding females, they're obviously over market price. And, and you know, we've been been successful in that and now when we sell our beef you know it tends to you know bring more than market price too so we're kind of staying true to that original goal of Mm -hmm. selling stuff at a premium and um you know and we even took a one step further here well about a year and a half ago we actually started breeding some wagyu to our registered angus and and um and through just kind of a weird set of circumstances, we ended up working with a, another breeder and actually doing some um, embryo work. And I guess that's one more piece of our diversification, too, is, as in, and Taylor can tell you about that. But we also serve as a collection point for ABS sure. to do uh, in vitro fertilizer, IVF embryos. So that's once a month, and that helps Taylor with his cash flow. You know, so we have cattle come in and do that. But anyway, so we got purebred Wagby cattle on our place now, and that's kind of our next step in the meat journey. So and that's been kind of an interesting step, too. And then we have a, another son. Well, he, like, he liked the cattle growing up and liked going to shoulder fairs and stuff like that. But, you know, he doesn't have the passion for it that Taylor does. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, he's in the restaurant industry in Rochester. He opened some doors for us, so we're in a few restaurants down in Rochester, too. So, and surrounding communities, not just Rochester. As you were saying, too, as far as, like, the, the meat helping us become more sustainable, mm-hmm. I just wanted to tie into that a little bit, too. This thing keeps on growing, hopefully becomes more sustainable for us and helps us get on the farm full-time and that it will help us be able to buy our customers' cats mm-hmm. or through customers' retained ownership, being able to market them through a branded beef program sure. and to help them get more money for their cattle so that they can be sustainable as well, if that makes sense. It's a really interesting, uh, almost like a cycle. Exactly. Yep. It's because if our customers aren't in business, too, it's going to be hard to find because we can't own all the pieces mm-hmm. of this thing. It'd be way too expensive. I mean, we've been working with custom feeders in the area, helping them stay in business, too. And as you know, I mean, the capital investments in agriculture are just through the roof. 
your start from the ground floor. So you know, just uh, developing or strengthening the community through our local meet. It's keeping of having lots of different touch points within the community through custom feeders, backgrounders, so on and so forth. Yeah. When we come back, Megan discusses with Taylor Waugh how he got into the artificial breeding program. Stay tuned. We all know a few fair weather folks. They're around when the food comes out. Oh, yeah. Nowhere to be found when the cows are out. With all life's uncertainties, you want a reliable partner with you, rain or shine. When it comes to nitrogen, there's a new predictable choice. Pivot Bio Proven 40, the tiny nitrogen producing microbes that have a big impact on your bottom line. Pivot Bio Proven 40. Predictable, productive, weatherproof. Get a reliable partner. Get the new nitrogen. Get Pivot Bio Proven 40. Taylor, would you talk about the AI and what was it, IVF program? So a good friend of ours out in southwest Minnesota, they had been working with this uh, daughter company of ABS, or it is ABS in, in vitro, and so they're owned by American Breeder Services out of DeForest, Wisconsin, and they had a lab out in Sioux Falls working with these very large dairies along the I-29 corridor, and we had done a little bit of work with them out there, had some cows out there, got to know a few of the people. The lab manager at the time was actually from just the county north of us, and and he had approached us about potentially being a satellite collection facility for AVS and doing the IVF. And what's cool with their process of the IVF is that it's a no-drug, minimally invasive process that you can do every two weeks if you wanted to upon the animal. What we started, we kind of working with the hand that we were dealt and we started our own shoot and had some success in helping both local uh, beef producers, whether they be looking to make show calves or performance-oriented bulls and a lot of local dairies sure. as well. We've had Supreme Champion at the World Dairy Expo come through our doors and, and choose our IVF protocol for their cows and, and plenty of more of the high-end genotypes seeking out the people that are chasing the EPDs. And it's been great at helping us. How that works for us is we collect a fee for our services on a per-head basis. And it's just all these little things that kind of help with making it work and helping with the cash flow because that's a huge problem with beef. I mean, a lot of people are only getting paid once a year or maybe, I mean, in our case, I mean, it was kind of twice because we were doing fall female sales and uh, spring bull sale. But it's really helped with that. It's just another little hat in our pocket. Yeah. Or a little uh, trick in our bag to help things work. Yeah. It kind of sounds like you've sort of had opportunities come to you, but you've also purposely built and created opportunities and then committed to some. So is that true? Do you find that yeah, you've got I a mix? Mean, yeah, you're, you're 100% right. I mean, those opportunities don't come to you if you aren't a good manager and a good person. But you, at the same time, have to be willing to capitalize on them. I mean, somebody may open open the door, but you, you have to beat it down. Well, I, I just think to Taylor's point, you know, we we aren't afraid to take risk, calculated risk. Not everything works out. 
And, but yet, you know, we, we don't take a risk that if it doesn't work out, you know, it's going to damage the financial liability of the farm either. But, you know, we still, all three of us, I work for an egg supply company, Winfield, which I guess you know, and my wife is a beef nutritionist for the local co-op, and that's been invaluable too because she feeds a lot of the cattle yeah. that we are results of our our offsprings of our bulls that we'll bring back into our meat program, and you know, and that very predictable genetics, we know what they're going to do and that kind of thing. And then you know, Taylor went to school to be a trained agronomist, but he actually is a meat cutter, but it's four days a week because he works four ten, so it's you know gives him an extra opportunity as a rotating schedule so he'll have uh four days on and, and three off and you know and it just allows more time around the farm so we got a lot of stuff going on in our place and it's kind of the sacrifice you got to make to get going and, and as taylor mentioned you know he wants to really you know make this thing that works his full-time job at some point in time but it isn't today you know i mm-hmm. mean it's just um, it is what it is. It's just kind of the price you got to pay to get started in agriculture now. It's just it's really tough without a little help from a family or, or an off-farm job. So Taylor and Bruce have learned quite a few lessons over the years that inform their decisions. And when we come back, they'll talk more about those and also what it's like to make decisions as a family. Stay tuned. We all know a few fair weather folks. They're around when the food comes out. Oh, yeah. Nowhere to be found when the cows are out. With all life's uncertainties, you want a reliable partner with you, rain or shine. When it comes to nitrogen, there's a new predictable choice. Pivot Bio Proven 40. The tiny nitrogen producing microbes that have a big impact on your bottom line. Pivot Bio Proven 40. Predictable. Productive. Weatherproof. Get a reliable partner. Get the new nitrogen. Get Pivot Bioproven 40. Taylor and Bruce, what other lessons uh, have you learned over the years? What would you share as advice to other ranchers, to other farmers? Go ahead, Taylor. You can start. Or I can start. Go go, go ahead, Dad. Yeah. You know, I I think that one thing that we've gotten a lot better at is communicating as a family. I I jokingly call it, you know, we got to have a board of directors meeting. Well, that's... Myself, my wife, and Taylor, you know, and that's, you know, I'll have to run it by the board of directors if somebody asks you a question. So two things, I mean, A, it keeps the communication going, and that's really important. And Mm -hmm. and there's times we still struggle. I mean, don't you know what I'm thinking kind of thing? And, uh, you know, and I think that's any time with family operations, you got to work through that. And as a father, I, I want... You know, I mean, Taylor makes a lot of the breeding decisions now. That's his deal. And we'll give him input. We'll talk. You know, so we strive to do that. And when it comes to finances, I mean, we want him to know that, hey, our checkbook's not very full right now. We got bills to pay, and this is, you know, we're not going to do this right now. Or, you know, we got to sell cattle because of this. You know, we got bills coming up. Just all those things. And great communication in a family farming or ranching operation. It's a journey that you don't ever arrive at your destination. It's never done. And you can always get better, and you can always figure out ways to make that relationship better, And whether it be the dynamics of family or... Um, and, and we're not at this place yet, but what, you know, when the next generation wants to come into the farm, you know, what do you, how do you set that up, you know? And those are struggles that people struggle with every day. We're not alone, so... And I'm not going to say it's always been smooth, but I think for the most part, it's been pretty good, and we try to recognize that 
everybody needs a little bit of time to themselves and you need, uh, you know, you got to have fun once in a while too. Anyway, I guess that's kind of my, my two cents worth on some of the things that we've done. You know, I, I would say it truly is a grind. Doing the little things right day in and day out is what makes the difference. And being able to also sit back and kind of analyze your business as a whole as well and able to adapt. It's a adapt or die. <laughs> be able to do it quickly. And I mean, that's one nice thing that's been about being a little bit smaller compared to a big ranch out west. We've been able to pivot a lot quickly to take advantage of, of opportunities. Being adaptable is just such a huge thing in my mind. Yep, absolutely. And then I would also say that I went to college too, and one of the only things that I really learned or really gained from it that I use every single day Mm -hmm. is my network of people. And also my network of people that I've accumulated from going to cattle shows, going to conferences, and stuff like that. Network has really helped a lot, whether it be a breeding decision, whether it be something in the meat deal. And those members of that network have become mentors and help, helped us in numerous different ways, whether it be something big or something small. So I guess that's kind of my answer to your question. I think, too, when you look at a, a family operation, and I think this is part of my generation, and I I guess I've tried to teach this to Taylor that, you know, he mentioned the grind of every day and doing all the little things right, you know, mm-hmm. and that grind can take a tremendous toll on you. And you need your family to support you on the days that you can't quite, you know, you're not, you're not a hundred percent, that you're just not, maybe not there mentally, or you need a little bit of pick me up. And, you know, the resilience. I mean, I think agriculture, you gotta, I can't think of one you have to be more resilient where, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, we fought dry weather for an awful long time, and we weren't as bad off as a lot of other people. And, uh, but there was, there was times this summer that we were down to, well, we got about a week of pasture left, and we're done, you know. Mm-hmm. And the good Lord blessed us and gave us the rain, and we kept going. You know, that wears on you. And mm-hmm. it just, you know, you got to be able to help each other out. You know, hey, take the day off, or, you know, whatever it might be. Hey, just a slap on the back or a hug sometimes will go a long way to Absolutely. I appreciate that, too. Is there any other lessons that maybe you've learned from each other? Patience. <laughs> Good, yeah. <laughs> For sure. You know, when you're in a farm or a ranch, you know, like you are multi-generational, you know, you got to shut the dad or the mom switch off. You know, <laughs> I mean, there's times when you got to shut that switch off and just got to, you got to be a coworker or you got to be, you know, a support guy or you got to be a boss, mm-hmm. you know, one or the other. I mean, and all those things happen. And I mean, there's, there's absolutely times when Taylor will call out his mother eye and say, are we really doing this the right way? Weaning calves this year, you know, we had to do it because of the grass situation. We had eaten calves early and we weren't set up right to do it. We we tried to cut corners and stuff, sure. and it was kind of a bad day. <laughs> you know, calves just weren't cooperating and all this stuff. And we got done, and we said, "Okay, that didn't go very good today. Let's 
talk about this and why it didn't go good. And I mean, it wasn't personal against anybody. It's just that things did not work good today and we better talk about it, what we can do to make it better next yeah. time. It's not about quitting or not doing this ever again or any of that. It's just that, you know, we got to figure out how to make it better. Thanks to Bruce and Taylor Waugh for being our guests, to Pivot Bio for sponsoring this podcast, and thank you for listening. For Successful Farming, I'm Jody Henke.